Grammar Girl here. I'm Mignon Fogarty, and you can think of me as your friendly guide to the English language. We talk about writing, history, rules, and cool stuff. Today, I have 12 tips to help you write faster, and we'll talk about why the letter W actually looks like a double V. Look, on the page, it's a bird. It's a plane faster than a speeding bullet. It's super rider. Well, that sounds great, right? But unfortunately, being super rider isn't completely realistic. While all writers dream of getting a manuscript down in one go, it's never actually like that. In fact, the writing process is often long, requiring a lot of thinking time and numerous revisions. But that doesn't mean it's time to give up. Nearly everybody who writes wishes they were able to write much quicker than they do. And the good news is that speed writing is possible with hard work and some tricks up your sleeve. Here are 12 tips to get more words on the page in less time. Number one, write at the right time. In other words, determine your golden hours for writing. No one writer is the same, so the first step to speed writing is to understand how you write and when you work best. Learn to become in tune with your own rhythm and lifestyle choices so that you use your energy wisely and work at times that are optimal for you. While some people might swear by an early start, if you're not a morning person, well, you're just not a morning person. Others who have kids may want to capitalize on kid-free daycare times to write. Whenever your own productivity peak is, find it to maximize your writing output. Number two, draw up a basic outline first. Going into writing with nothing planned is likely to be a daunting prospect, and the one thing you don't want to do is feel overwhelmed before you've even started. So drawing up a skeleton structure before you get down to putting words on a page is going to help the words flow more smoothly. This goes for everything from a book to a blog post. Instead of pausing to spend an hour deliberating over your character's next move or the next point you want to make, you'll know exactly what's coming. Number three, leave the editing for later. We've all been there. I've done it, laboring over a sentence that we just can't seem to get right. By and large, these deliberations drain us of our time and distract us from our ultimate goal, getting words on the page quicker. Try not to spend more than 10 to 15 seconds on any corrections. While all great work is subject to great editing, it's much better to treat this as a distinct process that comes after you've had your entire first draft nailed down. The fine-tuning part can come later. The writing part is now. Number four, fix your writing targets. Having clear, set goals in mind is important for any average writer, but especially essential for the speedy writer in training. Set a timer for a 30-minute writing session. What's your word count at the end of it? If your goal is to write faster, you should soon be pushing yourself to write X more words than that in your next session. And don't forget to give yourself proportional power-ups that will positively reinforce you to keep moving toward the next goal post. For instance, this could be an example of a personal reward system. Get that book you've been eyeing for writing five sessions in a row at 500 words per session. Get a nice dinner for 10 writing sessions in a row at a 1,000 words per session. And get yourself noise-canceling earphones for 15 writing sessions in a row at 2,000 words per session. Number five, minimize disturbances to your routine. Even when you're trying to work, the internet is only a few clicks away. 
Before you know it, you've spent one minute writing and 120 minutes scrolling through Twitter, which certainly is not helping your writing speed. Try using blockers to minimize the time you spend procrastinating on websites that aren't about your writing. And most of all, be honest with yourself about your blind spots on the internet and consciously eliminate them from your writing routine. Don't open those pages. Number six, write like a child again. Have you ever wondered how children sometimes outpace adults when it comes to writing? Well, the answer is simple. They don't overthink it. The key to speed writing is spending less time mulling over the words you've already written and more time increasing the word count. So one trick is simply to try to write like a child again. If you're stuck, try to convey your ideas in the most basic terms possible. Alex got home at 10 p.m. Finley was really mad that he was late. She threw a stuffed animal at his head, but then they talked about it and made up. Of course, this isn't going to be the final product that you're going to hand in to a literary agent, but you can go back and revise it later rather than interrupting your flow now. Just keep writing. Number seven, try writing sprints. Many writers swear by writing sprints or short bursts of writing where you write continuously without break. This means no researching, no going back to edit, no anything but writing. It's like a sprint race for writers. If you're new to it, try starting with a shorter period, for instance, 10 minutes, before building up to longer writing sprints, such as 30 minutes. Number eight, find a friend who will hold you accountable. Speaking of sprinting, have you ever convinced a friend to come on a run with you because you just knew you probably wouldn't bother otherwise? Well, the same principle applies to writing. You might benefit from an accountability buddy to keep you on pace. This could be an in-real-life friend or someone you find in the various online writing communities. You could do weekly check-ins with each other or actually write together on a video call. As joggers might know, there's nothing like having someone hot on your heels to make you speed it up. Number nine, use voice typing technology. Many of us talk faster than we write, so why not take advantage of that? Mark Twain once struggled to write his autobiography until he realized that he didn't have to write it. He could dictate it. In a 1904 letter, he wrote, I've struck it and I will give it away to you. You will never know how much enjoyment you've lost until you get to dictating your autobiography. And luckily, you don't need a stenographer these days either, not when talk-to-text technology is so readily available through your phone and many other apps. Give it a shot, especially if you're looking to get raw thoughts down on the page quickly. Number 10, let go of linearity. The joy of embarking on your own writing projects is that it's completely your prerogative where you begin to tackle it. You don't need to start at the beginning. You could start at the midpoint of your book or even mid-scene. The only rule is that you have to be excited about getting it down on paper. The more enthusiastic you are about the scene, the more likely it is that the words will flow quickly. Ernest Hemingway even recommended a psychological hack where you stop and start writing mid-sentence. He said, stop when you're going good and when you know what will happen next. If you do that every day, you'll never be stuck. When you return to it, you'll know exactly how to get right to it and pick up where you left off. Number 11, take care of yourself. Your parents were right. Maintaining a healthy lifestyle is fundamental to being our best, most productive selves. It's highly unlikely you write your best, not to mention most efficient work, when you're struggling to keep your eyes open. 
So listen to your body, build the right habits, and do right by it. Plenty of water, good meals, and taking breaks will also help make you match fit and ready to tackle your writing project productively. This includes posture, be aware of your posture, and try to stay as upright as you can to avoid neck and back pain. And finally, number 12, work on something else. Sometimes we just hit a wall with a project, and try as we might, we just can't get the creative juices flowing, and that's okay. There's no point banging your head against the wall. A better use of your time would be to move on to a different writing task. This could take the form of a diary entry, starting some fan fiction, or brainstorming ideas. Usually, your brain needs some refreshing novelty to get back into a flow state where you can write easily, and spending some time concentrating on a different task is actually a good way to do it. That segment was based on Reedsy's How to Write Faster, 15 Tips for Maximum Productivity, and was revised for Grammar Girl by Rachel Weatherly. It appears here with permission. Hey, it's Mignon. Do you need a new literary show to add to your podcast queue? Well, then you definitely want to check out Missing Pages, the chart-topping and Signal Award-winning podcast produced by the Podglomerate. Back for a brand new season, Missing Pages investigates the most pressing topics in the book world today, from the rise of Colleen Hoover and book bans across America to the world of ghostwriting. Not to mention host and acclaimed literary critic Beth Ann Patrick interviews some of the biggest names in the industry, like New York Times bestselling author Jody Pico and Publishers Weekly co-editorial director Jim Milliot. And as the Washington Post and The Guardian said, missing pages is a, quote, must listen. And I agree. So don't miss out. Follow Missing Pages today on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening now. Hey, it's Mignon. If you want to do more to hone your communication skills, then check out Think Fast, Talk Smart, produced by the Stanford Graduate School of Business and hosted by my friend and Stanford lecturer, Matt Abrahams. You may remember Matt from his interview on the show back in September when he shared his top tips for becoming a better writer and speaker. Think Fast, Talk Smart is his Webby award-winning podcast, which has been downloaded 41 million times and has been the number one career podcast in more than 95 countries. So you know it's worth your time. Whether you're making a wedding toast or presenting at work, strong speaking skills are critical to success in business and in life, which is why Matt sits down with experts every week to talk about the best tips to unlock your communication potential. Hear from pros like neuroscientist Andrew Huberman on how to manage speaking anxiety, speechwriter and best-selling author Dan Pink on how to take risks in your communication, and psychologist Kelly McGonigal on how to harness nervous energy to fuel powerful presentations. So what are you waiting for? Listen to Think Fast, Talk Smart every Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube. And tell Matt I said hi. Next, we recently got an interesting listener question. Hi, Grammar Girl. I have a question about a letter of the alphabet. I always grew up singing W, X, Y, and Z. But when I was taking German class in college, I learned that W was pronounced W. And that got me thinking about what's up with that letter. The W to us looks like two Vs put together. 
unless you're doing cursive, then it can kind of look like two U's put together, a double V or a double U. Um, neither one is correct in saying the, the, or uh, uh. So what's up with the letter W and, and its weird name? Thank you. Like many of the words we use in English, we have Latin to thank for our alphabet. With only a few exceptions, the letters we know and love trace their roots at least back to ancient Rome. One of those exceptions, however, is the weird and wonky letter W. The letter W is one of the youngest letters of the English alphabet, not arriving until somewhere around the 11th century, and has the distinction of being the only one named after a different letter of the alphabet. Not only that, based on the way we almost always see the letter printed, it's not even named after the correct other letter. Our caller isn't the only one to wonder why we call a letter that looks like two V's that have been welded together W. The answer, weirdly, is that the name of the letter is much older than the letter itself. Back in the 7th century, when English started being written using Latin letters, there was a problem with how to write the W sound. Latin has no such sound, and so had never developed a letter for it. Since it was slightly similar to the sound represented by the letter U, that seemed like a natural choice. But English also had a U vowel sound, so early scribes started using U-U, to use to represent that specific sound. After about a hundred years of that, people in Britain started using a letter from the runic alphabet called Win, which looks a little bit like a combination of lowercase letter P and a backwards Y. And before long, the UU all but disappeared on the island. Now, although the UU convention disappeared in England, it continued in Europe. Some German dialects adopted it for their W sound. And French, like Latin, didn't have a letter W, so UU was used to represent Germanic or Celtic loanwords and proper names with that sound in them. Over time, the UU started to change into a single character, with the two U's being linked together. By the 11th century, Norman scribes from France reintroduced that new character back into use in England and by around the year 1300, it replaced the runic win character altogether. Finally, around 200 years later, just as early printers helped standardize English spelling, they also decided that the W should look like the letter we know and love today, like two Vs instead of two Us. So there you have it. The letter W is called W because that's originally exactly what it was. Maybe the most bewildering thing about it is that despite starting as two letters, then being replaced in English by an entirely different character, then being brought back in as a newly imported single character that we know and love today, the name stuck. That segment was written by Ryan Paulson, an avid word nerd and co-host of the etymology podcast, Lexitecture. Next, I have a familect story from Tony. Hi, Grammar Girl. This is Tony in Northwest Indiana. I have two family acts, but one has an explanation and the other really doesn't. For some reason, in the mid-60s, my mom started adding poo to the back of words to make them diminutive or cute. I suspected that this may have been because of Winnie the Pooh, who was surely immensely popular at the time. The one that stood out the most and was the longest lasting was Nappy Pooh, as in time to take a nappy poo when a midday rest was needed. 
in the late 70s, we had a foreign exchange student living with us. As he learned more English, he felt comfortable with our household phrases. And one day he said the baby was tired and needed a poopy nap. Well, that sucked. And to this day, everyone in my family knows that when a midday siesta is needed, we say, take a poopy nap. Thanks for that, Tony. If you want to call with your family word story, your family act like Tony did, you can leave a voicemail at 833214GIRL, and I might play it on the show. I'm Mignon Fogarty, better known as Grammar Girl. You can find articles that go with each podcast segment at my website, quickanddirtytips.com. And you can find me on Twitter and Facebook as Grammar Girl and on TikTok as The Real Grammar Girl. Thanks to my producer, Nathan Sams, and that's all. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Mignon. If you want to do more to hone your communication skills, then check out Think Fast, Talk Smart, produced by the Stanford Graduate School of Business and hosted by my friend and Stanford lecturer, Matt Abrahams. You may remember Matt from his interview on the show back in September when he shared his top tips for becoming a better writer and speaker. Think Fast, Talk Smart is his Webby award-winning podcast, which has been downloaded 41 million times and has been the number one career podcast in more than 95 countries, so you know it's worth your time. Whether you're making a wedding toast or presenting at work, strong speaking skills are critical to success in business and in life which is why Matt sits down with experts every week to talk about the best tips to unlock your communication potential. Hear from pros like neuroscientist Andrew Huberman on how to manage speaking anxiety, speechwriter and best-selling author Dan Pink on how to take risks in your communication, and psychologist Kelly McGonigal on how to harness nervous energy to fuel powerful presentations. So what are you waiting for? Listen to Think Fast, Talk Smart, every Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube. And tell Matt I said hi.